Chapter 15. By Thursday, Wendy had asked seven girls to join our team. Each turned her down. Most said that they were already on a team, and one said she wasn't going to do it. Her dad was a doctor, and he wrote an excuse. Such a big project would cause her anxiety. On the bus, Wendy asked, Did you come up with any ideas for our project? Last night, she assigned me with that task, coming up with at least 20 possibilities. Nothing good. I had only three, and I knew she wouldn't like any of them. Unclear caf- unclean cafeteria tables, unclean desks, unclean doorknobs. That's okay. I've got, so- I've got some great ideas. What do you think of starting an all-girls school in Zambia? She asked, completely serious. I shrugged. I wouldn't know how. I'm sure we could figure it out. She opened her notebook, but I have other ideas too. She reads off her list. Every suggestion is a huge project that would require a few million dollars and a team of experts. She wants to build a library in downtown Baltimore or open a women's hospital in India or run a search and rescue team that would rush to victims of tsunamis. Well, what do you think? She asked. I think you need something closer to home. My grandmother would tell me, my grandmother wouldn't let me leave the country. Maybe we could collect aluminum cans and recycle them. Wendy makes a gagging sound. Picking up trash? Really? That's not original at all. I wasn't offering to pick up trash. Now I'm making a gagging sound. The only, th- the only thing more unoriginal than helping puppies find homes. She, fa- she falls back in her seat and takes out a pen. I wouldn't want to do that either. I don't even like puppies, except on calendars and coffee mugs. Animals are unpredictable, and they can't be wiped down with Clorox. She laughs. Don't worry. I'll come up with something perfect. And realistic. She shrugs. Wendy likes to think big, and she needs someone else to pull her back to Earth. I'm her gravity. In math, Mr. Stoker starts class not with reviewing, not with a review of homework like he always does, but with a lecture on math in the real world. And it's awesome. While he's talking, I imagine showing him my world. He'd love to see my math and my numbers that the way I do, and everything from the stars to building construction to ripples on lakes. Even water draining from the sink. I see circles and bisecting triangles that form equations in my brain. If only there was an easy way, like wearing spectacle glasses. A lightning strike is too painful, and the results aren't guaranteed. Engineers, science, finance computer developers, teaching, baking. These all require mathematics. He leans forward in his stool. But so do government, art, writing, love. Love, Maddie asks. Yes. There's a mathematician named Hannah Frey. She created an equation for finding your soulmate. Mr. Stoker does an air quote around soulmate. She used, she used the optimal stopping theory. I know the optimal stopping theory. It's a way to calculate the best time to do something. I figured out the best odds. It's usual, 
to figure out the best odds. It's usually it's usually used to finance or pricing, not romance. Say, as an average adult, you date 20 people, and one of those 20 is your best fit for your spouse. Each time you date a person, you essentially must decide, do I marry this guy or do I, or do do I marry this gal or do I move on? The next person could be better or he could or he or she could be worse. Optimal stopping theory proposes this proposes this solution. Get it? Proposes. We give Mr. Stoker a few pity laughs. He continues explaining by drawing little stick men and women on the whiteboard. I don't mean to judge my classmates, but if I had to guess, I think Mr. Stoker's lesson goes over their heads. No thanks, Maddie said, and maybe she go and maybe she does it does get it. She's actually pretty smart. Evil, but smart. I'd rather try online dating than leave it up to some math theory. This is not a guarantee but it is a way to maximize your success. With optimal stopping theory, you're three times more likely to pick your soulmate than if you were to randomly select one person from the field of 20 candidates. How romantic, Jennifer says. This country's divorce rate is over 50%. Maybe OST can help, could help. Mr. Stoker continues talking about math in the, as the basis of life. From the cells to music, numbers and patterns control our world and can matter and can make a difference. Mathematics is even being used in the courtroom. With enough data from similar cases, a verdict can determine with an amazing accuracy. Maybe lawyers will eventually be obsolete. My mom's a lawyer, Maddie calls out. I wouldn't say that around her. Mr. Stoker ignores her interruption. Now, these these concepts are big and complicated, but I encourage you to remember the power of mathematics as you work on your service projects. Don't be afraid of numbers. Use them to compute your solutions. Look at the world as as it is intended. He gives us at least 10 minutes of the period to work on our projects. Wendy drags her chair over to my desk. We need to use math, I say as she sits down. You want to save puppies and use math, Wendy asks. I never said anything about puppies, I shake my head. No, but yes, we definitely need to use math. Mr. Stoker needs to be our faculty mentor. I have a math problem for you, Wendy says. We are still in groups of two, and I think everyone has a group. We look around the room. It's hard to tell whether everyone is already on a team. They could be working with someone in another class. I already asked Peyton, Marjorie, Caitlin, Sarah, and Maddie, Wendy says. And since Wendy is not going to whisper, Maddie looks up from her cell phone, which she's playing with under her desk. She glares at us for, for even saying her name. You asked Maddie? Did you really think she'd want to be on my team? I'm sure Maddie would rather eat slugs than work with me. And I feel the same way, but I would never eat a slug. I wouldn't even like, I don't even like shrimp. Wendy shrugs. 
I think she would have joined us if she hadn't already said yes to Danielle and Jasmine. They're starting their project. I stared at Wendy to see if she was joking. She doesn't seem to. I shake, their, I shake my head. Actually, I've asked everyone. She taps her finger on my Clorox clean desk. I would have been easier if a teenage for if the teachers assigned the teams, like Mrs. Shields did in social studies class for the Egypt project. But then I probably wouldn't have been with Wendy. Wendy puts her hand in the air and waves Mr. Stoker over, like waves Mr. Stoker over like he's a waiter. Yes, ladies, Mr. Stoker says uh, says when he gets to my desk. Will you be our mentor? I speak before Wendy does. He grins. I thought you'd never ask. What did you consider as a... Mr. Stoker, Wendy says, I can't find another team member. I have asked literally every person in seventh grade. So I think it is only fair if Lucy and I are a team of two. Is that okay? You've asked literally everyone? He said, yes. Mr. Stoker clears his throat. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Does anyone have a service? Does everyone have a service project team? See, Wendy says right away. Everyone is. I need a team. Levi interrupts. He doesn't look up from his notebook he's doodling in. Great, you can join Lucy and Wendy. Mr. Stoker taps the project sheet that sits on my desk. Add Levi's name. I hesitate. Levi's a cheater, and I still haven't gotten my revenge, other than not talking to him for 15 days. But Mr. Stoker stands over me, waiting. I cave in and write Levi's name in a pencil. It can always be erased. Good luck, team, Mr. Stoker says. Then he walks over to Ethan. You have to actually do some work if you're gonna want to be if you're gonna want to be on our team. Wendy orders Levi. He shrugs and says nothing. Do you have any ideas? She asked. Nope. He's never looked up from his notebook. I guess it doesn't matter. There was only two minutes left of class, and Wendy probably makes all will probably make all the decisions anyway.